Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Sabres Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. Yeah, I think... You guys have heard me talk about uh, many times that, you know, in a perfect world, uh, you don't have a three-goalie um, system. But, you know, based on if you go back to training camp and the situation we were in, the situation around the league, we felt it was the right thing. Um, and then, obviously, ran into some injuries. Devin was out for a little while. Uh, Combs was out for a little while. So just kind of getting ourselves into a spot where this felt like the right time. You know, we also look look ahead at the schedule and, it's in a situation for Devin where um, you know maybe he was going to get in a game a week or something like that, and then we really aren't going to have much practice time in December. So this is all part of the process. We're super excited about Devin and believe in him and just feel like this is an opportunity for him to get in a rhythm, get, get uh, sharpened up, even through some more structured practice reps. And uh, that's something that um, we have the luxury and the ability to do right now, and I think it's the right, right decision at this time. Practice reps began for Devin Levi, uh, along with Devin Cooley and Dustin Tokarski in Rochester today before they take on Belleville this weekend for a couple of games. Not a super heavy Amherst schedule coming up, but uh, undoubtedly more practice time for Levi, who now finds himself with the Amherst. Welcome into the show with Marty and Brian. Um, we talked about this yesterday, then it happened. So uh, you look at Buffalo's goaltending situation now, um, like what... <clears throat> What's the bigger story, that Levi is in Rochester or that you're thinking Lukanen may get a run of games here? <laughs> well, I mean, we we talked about it yesterday, more of the angle of, is it time for Lukanen to play more games, right? Because right. after the New York Rangers game, uh, the question was asked to Don Granado, and Granado said, well, we don't want to put too much on him. And that's maybe more of a post-game reaction. Like, I just finished playing a game. I haven't thought about what's coming up. And then yesterday morning, he goes on WGR in the morning show, and he says, Oh, he goes, his performance now are, you know, going to be that he'll play more. So I think it all comes together. Um, mm -hmm. The big story today for me is obviously they made the decision now to send Levi down to Rochester. And there's no timetable. It's not like, let's get him down for two weeks and let's reevaluate. You evaluate all the time, but there's not a timetable on when would Levi be back to Buffalo. I think a part of that is because Lukanen is playing well that you don't have to to worry about that side of things. But for me, it's okay. The Sabres don't have three goalies anymore, which I have been calling for for a year and a half. Like it's a really tough situation to get playing time. Number two, this is what's best for Devin Levi. And eventually this is what's best for the Buffalo Sabres. He, he hasn't played like... I don't want to say played well because there's flashes, there's moments, but overall, mm -hmm. this is not the type of start to the season that Devin Levi wanted to have. And then the Sabres wanted Devin Levi to have. So how do you get Devin Levi oh. to work on his game and be like going back upwards? And it's about development. It's about, you know, playing time. It's about practice time. And this will happen in Rochester. So even though the decision is, 
well, okay, we don't have three goalies anymore. And that's what's probably better for the team, better for the organization, better for Lukanen moving forward. But it's also better for Devin Levi at this moment. And that's why the decision was made now. Um, certainly not all on Levi. And that's the thing when you were saying, you know, he would have liked to have been better and whatever. I mean, the team clearly, according to the GM, hasn't, and the standings <laughs> hasn't yeah. been where it needs to be. So the hard part is not knowing what's next other than what the schedule tells us is next. But now they move forward into uh, you know, a very busy month of December Mm-hmm. and they'll do so with two goalies, but right now they've got potentially five guys on the fourth line, and they're still carrying eight defensemen. So this is all on the heels of uh, calling up Brandon Byro today, yep. but uh, Kulik and Rosean remain, and Greenway return to practice, so they have uh, an abundance, um, if you'll pardon the reissuing of that word, from three years ago. And, um, you know, I just, I'm not sure where it's going to go here. My my gut says that Byro's coming up, and, and Greenway's ready, then maybe one of, uh, or both, Kulik and Rosé and go back to Rochester. Okay, so 10 games in 17 days coming up, starting mm-hmm. tomorrow night in St. Louis. Extremely busy, as you just pointed out. Um, look, I, I, calling up Brendan Byro was also like something that we've discussed. And Kevin Adams has, has talked about it this morning as the roster flexibility. He f- hasn't felt like they were handcuffed in their roster decisions this year with having three goalies or with having eight defensemen. He says Don Granado actually likes having eight defensemen in practices because of being able to have pairs of defense. You got four lines, got four sets of defense. You roll through them. It makes for a good practice. I know that um, it works for coaches. My brother, when he was with the Washington Capitals in 0506, uh, was it 0506? Yeah, 0506. He was the eighth defenseman, and he stayed in the NHL all season long. Why? Because they're like, the coach there was like, I love having AD in practice, and you're my eighth defenseman. And so he was a little frustrated with that, but at the same time, he was in the NHL waiting for that opportunity. So mm-hmm. the Kevin Adams says that they haven't been tight with the roster because of that situation, but now making the decision to have Levi in Rochester opens up a roster spot. Uh, so they call up Brendan Byro. There's still a question mark as to what's going to happen with Jordan Greenway. So that needs to be figured out today because the Sabres are leaving today to go to St. Louis. You're not going to take 24 healthy players on the road and tomorrow all of a sudden have to make a decision and say, well, we're sending somebody back. After practice, they'll figure it out. There may be a transaction on the roster that's going to be made. But Brendan Byro is getting called up now because you have an extra spot and you can call him up and you have that flexibility with the roster moving forward as to, you know, having an extra player as opposed to having three goaltenders. But you would probably agree Byro was utilized. First of all, Byro earned more through the preseason, earned the first call up, and has played more in his time with the Sabres yes. than either of the recent recalls. So if the recent recalls aren't going to, other than Byro, aren't going to play very much, w- what is the benefit of keeping them here at this moment? Well, yes, you're absolutely right. The same reasoning behind uh, Devin Levi going to Rochester, that it's best for him for his development. If mm-hmm. you're not going to have Yuri Kulik in the lineup, then his best place for development is to go back to Rochester. Brendan mm-hmm. Byro's a little bit more experienced, has been around a little longer and can come in to Buffalo and 
maybe play, maybe be the extra guy, but I don't think you want Yuri Kulik to be the extra guy. If Jordan Greenway right. is reinserted in the lineup tomorrow and Isaac Roseanne is going to play, and then you have your 12 forwards and you need an extra because you're on the road trip, maybe Byro fits that spot better than Yuri Kulik would, and then you make that decision. But there's, you know, Kevin Adams mentioned that he's going to have a conversation with Jordan Greenway, see where they're at, and then they'll make that decision. But I do agree with your uh, your assessment is Brendan Byro's getting called up not to be sent back down later today or tomorrow morning. He's going to be on the trip, in my opinion, and would either play or be the extra guy. They probably don't want Yuri Kulik to be the extra guy and miss that playing time in Rochester if he's not going to play for the Sabres. Um... Do you think there's any possibility that Zach Benson actually ends up going to the World Juniors? Um, that was an interesting question and one that I was kind of, you know, very listen, listening very much and paying attention to, you know, the conversation that Kevin Adam, Adams was having with the media. But also when he talked about having that conversation with Scott Salmon, who I know well from Team Canada, um, through my time at the World Juniors and my time at the World Championship, he's been there for a long, long time. And um, so they obviously would want Zach Benson to be there. Um, at this moment, as we speak, um, I think Zach Benson makes the Buffalo Sabres better. It's the same argument I have from when everybody was talking about playing game number 10. And you and I, Duffer, were talking about it and we said, game number 10 doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's about if he is an NHL player, if he makes the team better, and where is Zach Benson at for his development? And his development is is continued to get better and better and better every day at the NHL level. It hasn't plateaued. It hasn't dropped off. It keeps getting better. So if if you needed a deadline at, at 1 p.m. today to say Zach Benson has to either be sent or loaned to Team Canada or stay with Buffalo? Right now, I would say he's not going to Team Canada. He's staying with the Buffalo Sabres. But obviously, there's no deadline today, and there's plenty of time to be able to evaluate that. I think that Tage Thompson and Jack Quinn uh, evaluation as to when they come back will also be in the cards. If, if Thompson and Quinn are more scheduled to be middle of January as opposed to Christmas, that will play in the decision. That will definitely play in the decision. And we don't have that information, but Kevin Adams will in a week to 10 days, and then we'll be able to make that decision. But if you ask me today, if Zach Benson going to go play for Team Canada, the World Juniors, as of now, I would say, no, he's a Buffalo Sabres. He would stay for, with Buffalo, just like Max Potros is with the Boston Bruins. He's not going to Team Canada. Boston Bruins have made that decision already with Zach Benson Kevin Adams is just gonna wait and see but as of now I would say he's with the Buffalo Sabres do players really want to go to the world junior when they're in this position again I, I talk about my brother sometimes because he he went through some experiences that I didn't right he was a 19 year old in the National Hockey League he was with the New York Islanders a team that was not good um and he went to the World Juniors and he had massive expectations when he went to the World Juniors and they mm -hmm. underperformed. Um, mm -hmm. I don't even think they got a medal that year. And it was a huge disappointment. Then he came back to the NHL. He was 
he was excited to get the experience to represent his country because he had never done it at any level, under 18, any level. But I remember when he left, he's like, I'm leaving the NHL. This is not like leaving the AHL or, you know, taking some time off through your junior career or your college career. You're you're leaving the NHL. You don't know if anything will happen that you may never come back. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's a tricky, tricky thing. Yes. If you get loaned to the World Juniors, you're going to say all those the right things. But I want to say that most players in that situation are like, if I can stay in the NHL, I want to stay in the NHL. That's it. Like the World Juniors is a great tournament, but everybody at the World Juniors want to be in the NHL, right? Like not everybody in the NHL want to be in the World Juniors. They want to be in the NHL. That's the basic you know, bottom line of it all. So three in the next four days for the Sabres, then next Tuesday, it's December 5th, it's Native American Heritage Night, and we want you to be there as the Sabres take on the wings. There will be ways to honor and celebrate uh, Indigenous culture and history throughout the game, so get your tickets at sabres.com slash tickets. So as we roll on here on Sabres Live, St. Louis is next on the docket. Dan Dunleavy is heading there shortly. Hello, Dan. How are you? Good, gentlemen. How are you? Well, Marty's probably better than me, but that's a normal day-to-day thing. So I have my let's change uh, change that then. I've I've been I've been in my truck for 48 hours plowing driveways. I've been loving it. So uh, I don't know how much snow did you get uh, by you, Dan? Uh, Did you guys get a foot, a foot and a half? Is was it bad? Uh, We got enough that, and I know uh, both of you are familiar with this surroundings. That when we when I got home the other night. I knew that one of my neighbors was out at about midnight uh, blowing the driveway so I could get up. Uh, we got a bit of a hill on our laneway here. But when <laughs> I turned the corner in the neighborhood, I saw the plow had been by. And I thought, it doesn't matter if he's already done the driveway. I won't be able to get in the bottom because we're at the we're on a curve oh, at, the no. end, at the end of the street. So we get every – everybody else gets a foot and a half. We get four. It's just the way it is. That's fine. <laughs> I'm not complaining. But anyway, to answer your question um, – Jim across the road, great neighbor. He took care of me, made sure I could get up the hill. And uh, I've been out there all morning today, too. I just started looking at social media, knowing that we were coming on, uh, keeping an eye on what Kevin Adams had to say, because like you, Marty, I just stepped in the door. So Yeah, no, the, the good thing about being in the truck with a plow is that I can have the radio on. I can have podcasts on. I can have anything mm-hmm. on. So so the other night I was listening to the Sharks game after our game, just plowing away so i've done that for the last two days so, so it's I. been great i was listening to ruzanowski call that game too i didn't hear the end of it but yeah that was company uh, for the drive yeah it was a really we talked about justin bailey had a pretty good game in that game but okay um like quickly you you know i've been on the road now a couple of games you guys came back home you're going on the road for a couple more and a lot in yep. december um upl he he's played really well levi obviously sent down to rochester when you see the guys in the locker room or around at practice or in the bus, in the airport, airplane or whatever, like what's the sense with UPL? I feel like everybody is so confident when he's in the crease. And maybe that's why the decision was finally made that, okay, we're going to run with UPL a little bit more. Yeah, it'd be interesting because I haven't specifically spoken to you know players about UPL, but certainly the sense I've got from just being around him and, and you know really as much as the two of you as well, to be honest with you. On the road, we get so much access, but he is walking with a different air of, you know, maybe it's a better understanding, Marty, of the game, and also better understanding after an offseason of working on what it is he can control with his game. There might still be areas of the game that, you know, he might still fight or try to 
get a better handle on. But I think the overall game when it comes to positioning and not appearing as if he's running around the net too much. <laughs> so that save right there, however, was a nice one that he had to move around a bit on. But um, I just get a sense of confidence from him. And in talking to him in the room, after the game the other night in New York, uh, I went up and had a very brief about 60-second chat with him and just kind of said to him, that you're, you're feeling it, aren't you? And he says, I am. He says, but the big thing is when the team feels it in front of me, and I sure, Marty, when you played, it's the same thing. When the team feels like they're dialed in, it almost helps. I'm going, to, I'm going to assume the goaltender can dial in a little bit yeah. too. Now you want to be dialed in all the time. I get it, but when everyone's clicking, when every line is contributing, then you kind of feel this. All right, now it's it's my turn. My turn to contribute. And if everyone else is struggling in front of you, I think sometimes you can get sucked into that lull of doubt a little bit. And when the team has struggled, I think everyone's maybe fallen victim to that. But when they're going, as we saw in New York, uh, compared to New Jersey, there's a lot of confidence really amongst all of them. Yeah, often we say, show me a good coach, I'll show you a good goalie. Show me a good team, I'll show you a good goalie. Uh, But the goalies definitely feel from the team in front of them when they play well. With players, it's different. And and with J.J. Paterka, we could say that it doesn't really matter if the team has played well or not well. We have really liked how J.J. has performed and what he's brought to the ice. Um, what have you seen and liked from J.J. and how he's, he's leading with his play on the ice? Yeah, I asked Razor if I'm seeing the right thing here when I watch him play, and just he's straight ahead with his game. There's there's yeah. nothing that's going east-west about his game. Uh, the, everything when he gets the puck in getting to spaces where the puck will be, um, you know, following up on that Olofsson, uh, when the puck initially went into his area in front of the net, he kind of mm-hmm. scoops it up and he just drags it in. He's getting to areas directly, and I think that's something that everyone talks about when you're you're looking at skaters and how they're contributing on the ice. Some teams, as Rob, when we talked before the game about the Rangers, he said, all right, we're going to get ready here to call a game where the Rangers are going to go, you know, across the ice, all the way up the ice. They're going to try to spread you out. They're going to try to use their speed and isolate guys that way. I find with the Sabres, if they start moving ahead, the faster they do it, the quicker they get to it because of the – the speed they have with, with these younger players. Not not everyone's going to outrace everybody, but if you take a direct line approach to the puck, you're going to have success. So for me, JJ's had that also. You guys have had him on the show probably a ton of times. I don't know the vibe that you get from him, but when I see him just walking around the ring, he is he's an all-business dude. Um, I haven't really taken a lot of opportunities to get to know him personally, but the hockey player I see is... I hesitate in saying this, but I'll say the first time I ever met, and I'm not saying he's Jonathan Taves, so please don't go there. But the first time I ever met Jonathan Taves, I just thought this guy is all business when it comes to playing the game. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not saying they're the same two guys as far as what happens on the ice, but as far as the mental approach to the game, I get that sense from JJ and I like it. I love it. He comes to the rink, uh, morning skates on the road, guys. He's just got this kind of stone game face on him. Uh, Game time comes and he's got the same thing. So I like that. I remember we talked to Duffer quickly. We talked to uh, Derek Roy, right, about J.J. Paterka when they played together in Germany. And one of the first things Roy said is, the guy is really confident. You can see it in in his body language. And I love, like, when they show the clips of the players uh, getting to the rink. Like, they're walking to the hallway and, you know, their outfits and whatever. You see with J.J. Paterka, there's a there's a confidence, not just on the ice, but off the ice, Right. Good looking dude, dresses well, presents himself well, and 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 it it shows, it radiates out of him. So I think that's awesome. Duffer. What uh, are you seeing in the use of seven defensemen and how the how you view the game when they're constantly or regularly changing pairs? And 
what you're seeing from the the group of seven. And it's yeah. pretty much the same group of seven because <laughs> Bryson's yeah, exactly. not getting in yeah. very often. Yeah, so. yeah. And by the way, um, for what it's worth, um, Jacob Bryson, who obviously doesn't like sitting out when he's doing those skates, guys on the road, and you've seen uh, when players are in these situations. Um, you know, I'll say this in New York the other day, he, he had a smile on his face and he's working his tail off and he was working extremely hard uh, with the two goaltenders that were not starting uh, in New York. So anyway, just a short aside, he's, he's taken the right approach to this and just waiting for an opportunity wherever, whenever that may be. But the 11 and seven, first of all, Brian, from a doing of the job perspective, uh, I'm worried I've got the wrong number half the time the guys are on the ice now because you're, you start juggling guys a little bit, right? So you get used to pairings and, okay, so if, if 33's got the puck over here, this guy should be over there, but now you're you're juggling guys. But as far as how it's working for the team, um, I don't know. I sense, I mean, certainly from the New York game, you sense the confidence in it that they could withstand defensively um, if anyone needed minutes picked up by somebody else that that was going to happen, whether it be Eric Johnson, whether it be Rasmus Dahlin needs an extra, give him 30 seconds more on the bench. Now, Henry Yokihari's back in the lineup, so you put him on the ice, who, by the way, talk about a guy that did not want to be sat, no kidding, uh, Captain Obvious the other night, but he came up to Razor and I in the press box, and he just gave us this look, and you knew that the next time he was in, he would have, you know, along with everybody else in the team, an effect on the game, but... Um, I don't know if it was a message sent to Henry, but certainly whatever it was, Henry took it to heart and he just had this kind of that same JJ Paterka kind of scowl all business look on his face. So I like that. So 11 and seven has done a lot of things. I mean, if it's fueled guys to compete for ice time on the defensive end, if it's given Eric Johnson some time to not have to play more than um, the average minutes, I don't know if they're what seven or eight a game at at most for him. I'm not sure right now. I'd have to look that up, but um, I think it's worked for that, Brian. Um, at the same time, I will admit. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at that within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Hit that before the game against the Rangers, I was excited to see what Yuri Kulik could do in a game like that against New York. I thought that might have been a game that he might bring out more after the New Jersey experience from his game. So we'll have to wait for that moment whenever that might be. Yeah, Kulik didn't didn't get back in another game, but Roseanne did. So yeah. what uh, what did you see in game two? with Isaac Roseanne that we didn't really see in game one. And unfortunately it was just a bad game for everybody. So it was yeah. definitely not on him. Yeah. Uh, he was just on like one of the, the passengers on the bus. He, he wasn't well, driving that bus the wrong direction. And this sounds really stupid to say, but maybe the fact it was such a bad game for everybody meant it was only going to be up, you know, get better the next time out yeah. for guys that were making their first NHL appearance that, you know, the entirety of the team wasn't good. So it's not, even if Cooley and Roseanne played well, for what was expected out of them in New Jersey, 
which is probably not a heck of a lot. Just don't turn the puck over and get on the right side of the game. Even if they did that, you probably didn't notice it that much because everything else was just not working. So in the Rangers game, I did notice that there were a couple of battles on the boards. Specifically, we were playing from left to right. I could see Roseanne down on the boards on the right side, helping retrieve a puck off the wall. And once that, you know, 80% portion of the game was won and he had a hand in that, then the puck got to an area where the rest of the forwards on his line could try to do something with. So that to me, even though it was just a moment, I remember at least is one that does come to mind that, you know, he got a sense about his timing, when to get in the battle and when to stay also on the right side of the play. So uh, it's, it's a brief encounter with, Hey, that looked good, but it was one that I remember. Marty. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, now I, I, you know, uh, is, is, did Eric Comrie pass out cigars when he returned? Because uh, that was the the thing to do when I was young. So I remember, like my you know cousins and then niece and nephews when they were born. They, you you know the dads yeah. would show up at work and passing out cigars. I did that when I got my my kids. Right, I showed up at the rink with cigars. Um, Eric Comrie, new father, and uh, it's always you know fun when it's the first time. So, did he yep. pass out cigars? Does does it still happen in the workplace where uh, when a baby is born, you pass out cigars? I don't know. I, I pass out cigars every time I get married, so I bought a few. <laughs> um, I, uh, a few, bo- a few boxes. He, yeah, he, <laughs> I have a share in a company now. He, um, <laughs> if he did bring it back, he didn't share any with yours truly, which is fine. Uh, you know, I've made everyone from what I saw, which is very happy to see him shook his hand and, and, and what have you. So, uh, I don't know. Eric's always got a smile on his face, doesn't he? Yeah. He's always got this look that I don't know if you need a cigar from him. You just need to see him, you know, be in the room and around the guy. So, um, he may have, I don't know, but I don't have as long an answer as the question for you. No, but uh, you know, it's, uh, that I, was for Duffer, I'll, by the way, that comment. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'll say this. I, I don't know that, um, one year I passed chocolate cigars because, uh, you know, we got to be responsible like and, uh, yeah. you know, we're professional athletes. So I don't want to pass out yeah. real cigars. So I passed out chocolate cigars. So that was yeah. maybe a healthier uh, version of, uh, the, well, did you did you pass out cigars when you had your girls? Did was that a common practice? No, no, no. I, yeah. no maybe it was just exa- a Quebec thing. I don't. No, you're know. trying to set an example, Marty. That's not it. You know. <laughs> anyway, uh, I can pass on some real behind the scenes uh, stuff on the road. Razor is working out in the gym on the road again, so he's getting very no. fit. Getting very fit. He's in shape. I'm sure he'll be on the treadmill when we land in Missouri today. Uh, so that's the update from the road travels that I can't give. That he doesn't. That mean he'll either. be able to button up his collar at some point. Uh, no, not a chance. No, that's just not razor. No, it's not razor. I do have those extenders, right, Duffer? Yeah. You remember, I I carry those extender that connect the one button. All the, the extenders, hole. yes, we need to bring. So them it back. gives I you an extra it. inch uh, if you need it. I may have to yeah. uh, Christmas gift for razor, maybe well, uh, those extenders. Yeah, Duffer will appreciate this. I I picked up a shirt, uh, one suit, two shirt travel when you have just a couple of games. So it did a yep. last time. I packed a shirt that needs cufflinks, and I did not realize that. So I needed cufflinks and luckily there was a uh, Macy's across the road from where we were and you found a set of cufflinks and it's, a tie clip which I've not worn a tie clip in years it's uh, I'll tell them. you this cufflinks uh, nobody would notice my shirt sleeves was so dirty last game I don't know what happened but the jacket covered it up just perfectly but then I was exposed by a, uh, a, a a slight comment about my sleeve, so I showed it to the camera. I will let you know, Duffer. I <laughs> I spot uh, spot treated the uh, sleeve, and it came out 
99% clean. There's still a little dash of purple, but it came out clean. So Guys, just I want clean, to let you know. Yeah, I clean my sh- Before every trip, I clean my shoes. I just scrub my, uh, you know, everyone's wearing uh, fashion runners with their suits now these days. Yeah. So I scrub the heck out of them before we go on the road. So they get comments for being squeaky clean. Uh, yeah. Tough time of year to keep them that way. Uh, yes. have a good- I'm, we're wearing the Ugg boots onto the plane today. That's for <laughs> nice. sure. Yeah. Marty would go with the slippers. Dan, have a safe trip. We'll talk. All to right, you guys. Soon. Thank you. Nice talking we're to you. Oh, for one with the slippers. I can't do it anymore. Oh, for two, slippers, actually, Marty. Duffer. Oh, for two. Can't do it. No. <laughs> we're back after this on Sabres Live. Stay with us. Sabres Live, presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. All right, rolling along here. Top story, of course, was uh, Devin Levi going to Rochester and the Sabres carrying two defensemen, or two defensemen, two goalies at the moment, Marty, but now that <laughs> means the Amherst are carrying three. So yes. how is Seth, Seth Oppert feeling today? Well, I mean... <sighs> No coaches like to have three goaltenders. So I think Seth is probably thinking, okay, what's the plan here? I would assume, again, from my experience, I would assume that Devin Levi is not going down to Rochester to be part of another three goalie rotation. So right for maybe the first week is get some practice time, get yourself organized. You know, you got to move into the hotel, whatnot, get to know your team. Uh, But as we come into late this week and next week, I would assume that Levi is there to play and play more often and develop. So I've been in those shoes, right? I've been the goaltender that I was in Rochester for for one reason, is to get better and develop. Mm-hmm. You still have to perform. Performances are going to dictate how much Levi will play, but they will give him a chance not to just go one game a week, but he'll probably play a couple of games per week moving forward so that he can get into a rhythm and continues to develop. So it's more like how does Tukarski and uh, uh, Cooley feel about the whole situation? But, uh, you know, that's that's organization. You have to make a decision, and that's the decision I would make. Right. They have games on Friday and Saturday this week in Belleville. Then they don't play again until the following Friday in Rochester, which is December 8th, if you want to check it out at Blue Cross Arena. But that's their only game the following week. And then they get into a three and four the following. So it won't be a heavy schedule for them, which is probably fine. They're like most teams nursing a few injuries. And um, but uh, just quickly, because someone asked just about and and you, I thought, uh, you know, I think you answered it already based on, you know, why wouldn't they uh, alleviate the eight defensemen on the roster mm-hmm. right now and perhaps send someone down. Now, Johnson, of course, can go back down uh, without requiring waivers. Bryson, of course, who's not been playing, would require waivers. Yes. Um, how do you view that situation as to are they strictly keeping eight because of what you talked about with how they like it in practice? Or how do you view it in the big picture? Because obviously they do have depth in Rochester already based on what we saw from the preseason this year. And I mean, we went down to the final, what game or two of the preseason. They were still carrying more than 10 defensemen. Yeah. Because, so, you know what I mean? So I, I, I would say, I would say this, I would say that the Sabres are going to carry eight defensemen as long as they can because it works well for practices also because there's a little bit more flexibility in 
going maybe 11 and seven if they need to. We already saw Matias Samuelson go down twice this year and not finishing games. Uh, hopefully that doesn't happen more often, but you know, getting those, those, those reps in practice, um, even for Ryan Johnson. Now it's, it's a bad situation for Jacob Bryson. And I get it. Most of that would be, you know, kind of focus on Bryson. What's better for Bryson. But at this moment, there's always one or two individual in a team that you're thinking about the rest of the team more than you're thinking about them individually. Mm -hmm. And that's unfortunate for Bryson right now, but I'm thinking it works better for the group right now to have the eighth uh, on the blue line for practices and even for using seven in a game at times and always having at least one extra if you need it. It was worth asking the question simply based on the fact that Ryan Johnson had very limited minutes last game. So how yes. long would you keep doing that? And or, you know, if you ever did go back to 12 and six, which seems like it's going to happen at some point, like, you know, how long do you keep Johnson if you're not playing him? It's a little different than Bryson. It is a little bit different than Bryson, but when you look at Ryan Johnson and his last few games, I mean, two games ago in New Jersey, he played 25 minutes. He's played 12, 14 minutes. Last game was seven and 7.53. So I, you're going to have to, if Johnson's going to play six, seven minutes over three, four games in a row, then it, yeah, obviously it's not best for him because you're not utilizing him at all. He probably should go in Rochester and play 22 minutes a game. But if you're going to use him 14, 15 minutes, then he's Buffalo. If he's going to be in your top six, he's Buffalo. If he's only the guy that plays when you dress seven, it's a different thing. But I'm not in the, I wouldn't be rushing to make that decision just yet. You do have St. Louis. You have a back-to-back -back over the weekend. And then next week you reevaluate. Where are you? Where are you with your forward group? Where are you with your defense group? And decide. But I think Ryan Johnson can be relied upon on in games. You you can say if somebody's not going well, if Clifton's not going well, if Matias Samuelson is not going well, if Yokiaru is not going well, you can say, I'm going to put Ryan Johnson in these positions. He can play top minutes with Rasmus Dahlin, or he can play second pair with power, or he can play lower in your depth chart. Ryan Johnson is kind of that Swiss, Swiss army knife right now that you have. So I wouldn't be too quick to say, oh, he needs to go down to Rochester. He's done well in Buffalo. And I think if you give him a little bit more time, you keep him up here. Well, that Devils game you spoke of was an anomaly because Samuelson got hurt and it was a blowout. So, yeah. but overall, uh, Ryan is averaging more than 14 minutes a game, as is Eric Johnson and Connor Clifton, just over 15. So those are the guys that you, you know, you look at kind of in that regard. Henry Okiharu, surprisingly, uh, based on how good of a season he's having offensively and probably by other measures too, including the eye test. I mean, he's, he's only at about 16 minutes a night, which is, of course, a long ways away from where he had been in past years, but yes. it has suited him and the results rather well. Now, one of the back-to-backs you mentioned coming up this weekend is Nashville coming in. They are hot winners oh. of six in a row. And while they did cough up a 2-0 lead last night to the Penguins, Philip Forsberg made very quick work of overtime and Ryan O'Reilly may have made one of the best plays I have seen in a long time for someone who didn't really factor in on the actual goal. Uh, he held the line and caused interference, which Pittsburgh, of course, Mike Sullivan's upset about everything. He's never happy with anything. Yeah. And he was really ticked with this one. But 
O'Reilly's ability to stay onside amidst colliding with one and or two penguins was an absolute miracle. And when it was happening in real time, I was like, oh, I don't know if he did it, you know, but uh, it was a heck of a play. It's a penalty. It's a penalty. You cannot stay onside. Yeah, but why? Like, so he is offside. He put himself offside and now he's trying to get back onside in the line as to which Sidney Crosby is coming back to defend. The interference is O'Reilly on Crosby. The interference, not Crosby on O'Reilly in that play. It's not incidental contact because O'Reilly is making that desperate move, lunging with his right leg to touch the line. I saw it as it's a penalty. I mean, I understand that in that moment, it looks like a collision, but I saw it as a penalty. So I, I listen, I know Mike Sullivan. Well, he was an assistant coach in the Rangers. He's never happy. You're right. He's an angry bugger and he's never happy. And he was yelling at the refs. And first of all, they wanted to see if it was on site or not, because who knows if Ryan O'Reilly was touching the blue line or at least hovering over the blue line. But I thought it was a penalty. It didn't get called. Forsberg walks in, gets the goal. But more importantly, what the Sabres are going to see in Nashville when they play the Preds is a UC Soros that has flipped the switch now. He was 0-5 in, you know, well, the previous five games. Now he's on a four-game winning streak. But the previous five games, he was 0-5 with an 8.59 save percentage. Now he's gone 4-0 with a 9.24. That's a big switch from UC Soros, as we know, is one of the best goalie in the league. Um, had a really rough start to the season, but he seems to have uh, flipped that. Well, Sullivan needs to calm down. It wasn't like Sid was the only guy back. There was another <laughs> player that could have done something and didn't. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Forsberg is red hot, but not as hot. Well, at least he's not winning the race for the Rocket at the moment, like Brock Besser, who scored two more and has the outright lead, which is not an easy thing to do when those around him have been as hot as they have. See Nikita Kucherov. Yes, so uh, Brock Besser, a really nice goal on the uh, rebound in uh, early in the first period. And look, he's hanging around the crease. Brock Besser is not a perimeter player. Uh, he's hanging around the crease, and then he got an empty net goal to go to 17. Thatcher Demko was really good. Um, but the goal that was the game-winning goal, Elias Pettersson goes on a wraparound, and John Gibson was complaining to the referee about goaltender interference. There was a little contact, but really what led to Pedersen scoring the goal was John Gibson punching the Vancouver player that was in front of him. <laughs> he went out of his way to give him a blocker, and he was late to get back to the post for the wraparound, and Pedersen took advantage of the opportunity. I was laughing because I'm like, dude, just stay in your net. But at the same time, uh, Gibson can run hot, and he, he did run hot on that play. Well, and, and it has been a brutal stretch now for Anaheim, who uh, started the year probably as one of the more surprising teams over the opening four weeks, but that is all yeah. that disappeared. Besser, two up on Kucherov and Reinhardt, and three up on Matthews and Connor. Now, Reinhardt had, along with his teammates, a rather unfortunate reality happened to them, and, <laughs> and that was premature celebration, although no one thought it was premature. Like, they legitimately looked like they won the game. And the reason they were able to, quote-unquote, win the game in Toronto in the shootout was because Sam was ultra-clutch when he had to score to oh. extend the shootout. What a display of confidence and shot selection as he beat Joe Wall. But as it went on, Evan Rodriguez thought he had the winner. Paul Maurice 
probably gave a few words to like the whole Toronto vibe, you know, like we saw last year in the playoffs, yes. you know, like <laughs> we got out of here with a win again. But incredibly, after I had turned it off, I went back to an NHL website two minutes later and saw that the score was not final. And I'm like, what's going on? You're like, this is a, another blunder by NHL.com, but it wasn't. I did. I, I did. But I also knew immediately what it was because when I saw the play happen live, I was like, oh, double tap. But because I watched long enough, I thought they had reviewed it already, yeah. but they hadn't. And so unfortunately for the Panthers, uh, Rodriguez gets called for a double tap, meaning a rebound attempt. You don't see it that way, even though by the letter of the law, the right call was made. Yeah, so I don't see it that way because it was not technically a rebound that comes back and then you take another attempt. It was one attempt. So when Rodriguez goes to his forehand and tried to sneak it under or around the pad of Joseph Wall, it hits the pad, but Rodriguez's stick is still in the same motion. The puck comes back by about an inch and then double taps his blade and goes in again. So this to me is a continuation of the initial shot. It's not a shot rebound and then a second opportunity it's not even a shot rebound off your chest and in it's the same momentum and I think we talk about a lot when it's shootout is is there a continuous play is the momentum still going forward in this play I felt like Rodriguez and the puck and the blade momentum was still going forward should have been a goal uh, but by the letter of the law, it's not. So I will agree with their call. But that may be something that should be uh, rewritten in the rule book for those type of situations. <laughs> that would make it awfully gray. Yes, it did. would. You're yeah. right. Maybe you shouldn't. But uh, and, and and we can't say I'd hate the Stanley Cup to be decided on this goal because there's no shootout in the playoffs. So what's right. one point in the regular season, really? Uh, talk to the Sabres last year, right? <laughs> Yeah, if you want to look at the standings, I mean, the Sabres didn't enjoy watching what happened between Toronto and Florida, which was a three-point game, but they had to love the fact that the Islanders, again, found a oh. way to lose a game when they had the lead. How about just the basic, forget their third periods, which have been atrocious, when scoring first, they have six wins and seven losses. Now they're six, two, and five, so they've gotten some points, but last night, despite a two-goal lead in the third period, they got nothing out of the game yeah. against New Jersey. The Devils roar back. It was the Hughes show, which offset the Barzell show. And uh, Anders Lee did his best Gene Simmons impersonation with the bloody mouth. Oh, he was bloodied and the, the tongue, yeah. Yeah, so, but the fact of the matter is it ended in regulation time. So that was a good thing from Buffalo's standpoint. And they got a favor from Arizona, who knocked off Tampa. This yeah. a night after San Jose did a favor and knocked off Washington. So it hasn't, it hasn't been all bad despite the kind of up and down nature here of the Sabres. So. Yeah, no. So um, at first with the Devils and the Islanders, you talk about the Islanders giving up that lead. Uh, the Islanders are now 7-1-3. and three. So only seven wins in 11 times when they had the lead. Uh, they have the lead after the second uh, period. So that's not great. Seven out of 11 is not great. That was the first win. When trailing after two for the New Jersey Devils, but more is Jack Hughes in a post-game like um, interview with one of the Jersey reporter, and the New Jersey reporter said, "Well, last year you guys did this," and Jack Hughes, in himself, like I love, he's like, 
you talk about last year a lot. Like last year was last year. This year is this year. We've not performed well this year. And now it's a couple of games where, you know, obviously they beat the Sabres 7-2. They come back to win 5-4. Like, okay, how about we focus on that? But I love how he said to the reporter, you talk about last year an awful lot. Last year is last year. Let's look at this year. And I just have loved Jack Hughes with some of his comments. Like when he was on fire last year, and he goes, yeah. We're kind of on a heater here. So it like that carried a lot. So uh, yeah, a kind of an, a, a nice off the cuff reaction by Jack Houston. Hey, everybody should chill about last year. This year is this year and we're trying to do something. But it was another night where Vanacek didn't last. And, yeah. you know, uh, Schmidt comes on and gets the win as they make the comeback. But here's the story on the Islanders. They are dash 15 in third periods. Only yes. the Kraken and the Sharks are worse. And on top of it, they are dash four in overtime. That is tied for the worst in the NHL. So beyond yeah. the second period, things have not been great for New York. We'll wrap up Sabres Live right after this on WGR and MSG. We're back with more of Sabres Live. Presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. A trio of one-syllable birthdays. May, Gage, Diggs. No particular order. Brad May, Jody Gage, Stefan Diggs. Happy birthday, gentlemen. Funny that Stefan Diggs was born in 1993. He was born after the May Day goal because the May Day was in 93. Think about that for a second. Stefan Diggs was born after the May Day uh, playoff goal like that's crazy to think one of the best things for Diggs then is that he's never had to endure a Montreal Canadiens championship during his lifetime uh yeah he hasn't Lucky had to man. endure you know Lucky what man he hasn't had to endure a Canadian team correct to win a Stanley Cup let alone the yes. Canadians in his lifetime yes. thank you for that over clarification I love that <laughs> uh Daniel Sprong would he be more interested in Pat Kane's number or more interested in more ice time, which has kind of been the story of his career. Now that he's lost his 88 to Pat in Detroit. Well, Daniel Sprong performs well with the limited ice time, so don't give him more. But at the same time, I think a nice watch, maybe a nice dinner, a sign stick, something for the number. You think Kane plays before the Buffalo game next week? Yes. Really? Yeah. Mm, I'll bet against you on that and see you tomorrow. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.